Okay. With y'all as my witness, do not let me record this again. (laughs) I can't. I can't do this all day long. (laughs) As much as I'd like to. Don't get me wrong. Um, It's been forever since I've shown up. uh, Or it feels like it's been forever since I've shown up behind the mic like this and kind of tapped into some creative energy on, uh, well, per the song Heart Connection. And so I am delighted to share episode eight with you. This is Music and the Body. What is it about music that is so addictive? The songs we put on repeat for days on end, the music we crank in our cars on long drives, the Christmas carols that invoke a sense of warmth in our bodies, the ringtones we assign for close friends and family, the sound of the rabbi's voice singing prayer in the synagogue, the bands we buy expensive tickets to see live, the operas we attend to have a quiet, personalized experience with ancient art, elevator music for the sake of ambiance for a less than 30 second ride, the morning dove that coos outside your window at 5 a.m. Music is everywhere, whether invited or uninvited. If I asked you to listen to Somewhere Over the Rainbow right now, your body would likely have a response, whether positive, negative, or neutral. If I asked you to listen to the Star Spangled Banner, your body would again likely have a response. Put on Hamilton, you'll feel a certain way. Put on the Beatles and again the same. For those of us that sing, that music becomes internalized at a visceral level. Our response goes beyond auditory processing. We have worked music into our nervous system, so to speak, and have developed an intimate relationship with the solo line, the melodic and harmonic structuring, the orchestration, the ebb and flow of tempi, so on and so forth. For those of us that dance, the music also becomes embodied as each musical phrase is now forever attached to a specific physicality or choreography. But what about those of you that don't sing or don't dance? How would you describe your relationship to music? And more importantly, the relationship between music and your body. Can you hear the raven? (laughs) We'll see. In my psychology of altruism class, we have an ongoing self-care assignment for eight weeks. Without being graded, I'm sure many of you have already participated in such an assignment for the mere experiment of, will this help me? Or can I commit to something for this long? Whether it be an exercise regimen, a particular diet, removing drugs or alcohol from your life, etc. My self-care project, the specifics of which I assigned to myself, consists of 25 minutes of interpretive dance five days a week for eight weeks. Some students chose bathtub poetry, others meditation, and one girl went with rollerblading to overcome a childhood fear. I narrowed it down to three possibilities for myself, the best of which I decided was interpretive dance. Though I'm not a trained dancer, I knew this would be something I would enjoy doing, and it would complement my newfound sedentary working lifestyle. Going into this assignment, I was less concerned with what would come up in my body for movement. My interest lied in what music would I choose? How would it affect my mood? Should I decide on a playlist ahead of time or see how I felt directly before the session so there was little to no emphasis regarding planning? 
as this is truly a mindfulness project. Some music makes me smile. Latin music in particular, for which I already have an affinity uh, for from teaching music, bring (laughs) teaching music, teaching Zumba (laughs) brings on happy memories of days in the studio, dancing with friends and gym members in Boston. The beats and styles are easy, clear, uncomplicated, and a complete blast to dance to. I know at the end of the day, if I want to feel fantastic, I'll listen to salsa and my body can't help but enjoy itself. It feels, though no one else is around, like a shared experience, which is strange because it's just me in my apartment looking like a crazy person as I move about between my two rooms, shaking invisible maracas up in the air as my hips go nuts. Was this music written with the intention of bringing people together? Did it derive from celebrations or specific traditions? How is salsa different from bachata or merengue or cumbia? What really is the fundamental difference between the styles? The entire reason I wanted to become Zumba certified was simply to understand the art of Latin dance and the history of its evolution. I never wanted to teach. It just happened. My curiosity was always, what's the connection here? Why am I drawn to this? Why do people show up every day to listen to loud, fun music and dance with each other? There's an unspoken transcendence that happens, I imagine, when you show up somewhere for yourself and the result positively impacts your community. Isn't that by definition what self-love is? I'm reading excerpts from a book for my Foundations in Counseling class that addresses embodiment and the psychosoma correspondence. Excuse me. The name of the book is The Body in Recovery, Somatic Psychotherapy and the Self. I'd like to read a, a blurb from the introduction that resonated with me and hopefully with you also. We may be wrong when we blame aging alone for our loss of function and feeling. Sometimes areas of our body become gray and lifeless. We lose our vitality and our hunger for life. We pin all our hopes on diets. We suffer from chronic physical problems, problems with our backs, our stomachs, our feet, and our frequent solution becomes painkillers. Our illnesses may not be inevitable. A powerful remnant from our past lies anchored in body structure unrecovered, creating pockets of weakness, opening time to illness and strain. Our bodies will for years carry the burden of unhealed injuries. Many people do not know how to work through the losses life brings. Our body faithfully records the traumatic events in contracted musculature and energetically withdrawn tissues. When we no longer experience pleasure in our bodies in the ordinary tasks of life, we build patterns we excuse me, we build patterns to deny the body altogether. We don't even walk for exercise. We prefer our bodies to keep silent so that we conduct our life undisturbed in our psyche. Through a psychological body therapy, we can restore feeling and pleasure in our bodily and emotional expression. We need not suffer in a body prison. We can be more liberated and embodied. Unfortunately, optimistic promises are cheap and change comes at a high price. Embodiment means giving up illusion, grandiosity, specialness for the sake of an honest, grounded reality, genuine contact and relatedness, and pleasure in the basic experiences of life. 
I'm really only one and a half weeks in on this uh, self-care interpretive dance project, but I can already feel the difference in my body and mind based on movement and music. When I put on R&B and soul, I have a very sexual and more importantly, sensual experience with myself. And in turn, it makes me want to share that feeling with someone. When I put on Bollywood, I feel physically lost. I don't have the slightest clue how to dance to this type of music other than a few key movements my body remembers from Zumba because yes, even Bollywood is done in Zumba. But I let my body explore the sounds as it chose to and I learned something new about myself in that moment. I could have changed the playlist entirely and said screw it, but I stayed in the slight discomfort to see what it was all about. When I put on French jazz, I have a similar experience physically and emotionally as to that of R&B and soul, but it feels more personal and introspective solely for me. And I don't want to share the sensations. It replenishes my femininity intimately. When I put on music for focus and healing, like something you'd play for a yoga session, my body becomes quiet and still, and my dancing evolves from that place of stillness. The movements are more sacred and the end result is restorative versus energetic release. When I dance to pop, hip hop, or anything with a strong, steady beat, my inner teenager comes out and I'm laughing and grinding and being silly as I shake my booty at no one. <laughs> um, it invites a sense of playfulness, I suppose. I have yet to dance to opera. I suspect that may be a cry fest, so I'll save it for a special time and day, maybe the last day of my project. I have yet to dance to country because, well, other than Cotton Eye Joe and Boot Scoot Boogie and a grapevine, how does one dance to country? <laughs> um, I am really looking forward to putting on like the swing big band station. I think that's going to be a blast. What gets me in the feels about this project is that it is so simple to access. Every one of us has a relationship with music. We know what we like. We know what we don't like. We know what we're curious about. And we know what we don't understand. Are you ready to explore that idea physically? Why is it that a patient with dementia who is otherwise unresponsive becomes alive again when they hear a song they recognize? Everything I mentioned. That's, that's why. It's, it's proven that music for dementia patients <laughs> does it right. <laughs> Whew. It's proven that music for dementia patients can boost mood, reduce agitation, and improve focus. Why do we feel the need to wait until death to take care of these details? Music enhances cognitive function and promotes healthy aging. It offers benefits in relaxation, productivity, and absolutely lowers stress. Why not take this a step further for us, the young and healthy, and embody it now? Why not sing it? Why not move with it? If it has such an impact on us by simply listening, what's preventing you or me from exploring that further? Is there a fear rooted in feeling too good? Is it because it would be difficult to attach a shameful self-dialogue to your story after spending 30 minutes, 20 minutes letting loose in your own house? That comment might have been a touch convoluted, so let's let me unpack that. I just mean that we're so quick to self-sabotage our own thoughts and beliefs by creating a negative narrative within our psyche. This, there's no way this could come with that. This practice essentially doesn't carry any possibility of that. 
And really, when it comes down to the ins and outs of self-love, nothing, nothing should. On a closing note, and somewhat unrelated, as you investigate your relationship with music, your body, your brain, and their connectivity, I want to leave you with a thought per the four agreements. It's a book I just read, and it's helped me tremendously since it's entered my life. The four agreements are, one, be impeccable with your words. Two, don't take anything personally. Three, don't make assumptions. And four, always do your best. This was episode eight of the Song Heart Connection podcast. Thank you so much for listening.